Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Guide Your Brew, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things, the band Fish and Beer. I am the Lizza. And I'm J3PO. Yeah. All right. And it is uh, the Christmas season. Tis December has fallen again. Um, so we have some really, your, your idea, so I should let you talk about it. Go ahead. What we're going to talk about for fish this time. All right. Well, I made a playlist called the 12 Jams of Fishmas. The All 12 Jams about of Fishmas. Good December fish. Uh, and how did, is this like not a revelatory idea? Is this not like a revolutionary idea? Oh, I don't know. Um, we wanted to do a holiday show. And so I started thinking about December fish, um, specifically the month of December and not New Year's runs. Everybody knows that there's awesome New Year's runs every year, but there's Uh a few gem months of December, uh, throughout their career. Um, so I wanted to, uh, do something with that month that spanned all the eras of, of their career, so 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. I also wanted it to just be sort of not entire shows, but selections from shows that were made up almost like the Alive One disc where it, it follows almost the format of a show, although this would be a really, really long show. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I had an intention, like there's an encore on here that I chose. Yes, you know, which... Um, there's a Fishman moment. Um, yes. There's a, a lot of things. I wanted to include, you know, some typical elements that are in a live fish show uh-huh. and um but also span their entire career got know? it okay so that was cool. my thinking there okay and i really like the idea uh because <laughs> when you pitch it to me my mind goes straight to all the new year's shows <laughs> uh, and that's just where my mind is at this you know time of year usually i'm gearing up to go see a new year's run um and i'm a fairly new fish fan uh so december shows really aren't a thing really for me you know what i mean like they really uh, fall tour is yeah. it really hasn't really been no. such a huge thing um so it's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a even december ones even fall tours don't necessarily have a december in them sometimes they right. end after halloween like especially during your tenure you yeah. know fall if there's a fall tour it usually ended after halloween yeah this past year we did get some december shows yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, um yes. but before that it had been 2009 um so not a lot of 3.0 stuff but i did manage to get some in there i did have to make an exception there's one track that's from november 28th 09 instead of december but also (laughs) one of the things i really wanted to get on the list was seven below because to me that's a perfect fish winter song right right i figured as much i figured so i I, found a little bit just because it was i wanted that on there and i wanted something from 3.0 you know there there wasn't a december seven below from 2.0 there you go okay very cool uh, so before we get into your 12 Jams of Fishmas, uh, I want to do a little recap on the Beacon Jams. Yeah. Because uh, that's like been, you know, the most recent highlight of what we've been able to experience. <laughs> the closest fish. thing we've been yeah, to live music. It, in COVID times. Um, so eight, night, eight nights over eight weeks, once a week, residency at the Beacon. Um, generally for you, go ahead. Let's, let's jump right in. I have some highlights for me, but you said you had a couple of things you wanted to. Oh yeah. Well, so, um, for me, I didn't really have a particular favorite show. I have a lot of favorite moments. They, they all kind of ran together. I like how it built. Um, I also went back and it's funny how when they announced it, all these jam based articles and other that it's like, Oh, one week's going to be oyster head and one week's going to be this. And they're going to like, people were all over the place in it. (laughs) Over. I mean, 
obviously that's yes. what fish heads do is speculate sure, sure, you know? sure. and it's always <laughs> wild speculation um yeah but uh, i i was holding out hope that one night it would be fish me too <laughs> all the way until november <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. correct me correct, too and, and I, we were talking about this just because you came over and we watched some of these together yeah and um we were talking about it. It's like, I, I love it. It's really great. But like, it doesn't tug my heartstrings the way that fish really would have. Like, I've never gotten on a plane to go see Tab or Vita sure. Blue or Mike sure, Gordon sure, Band sure. and stuff like that. But sure. um, it was really great. Um, before we get into like the obvious stuff, I just had two MVPs that jumped out at me for this run. One of them is not a musician. And one of them is uh, Jeff Tansky, the piano player. Yeah, what's his deal? So what's his, what's his history I'm, story? <laughs> I'm kind of enamored with him. Um, he started working with Trey, I guess, for the Hands on a Hard Body thing. He's been a composer. He's Got worked it. on Broadway for years. He's Got a it. Buffalo okay. native. Okay. Um, but my favorite uh, tidbit is when Trey was rehearsing for the Fare Thee Well, the, the Grateful Dead finales, yes. he rented a space at Carol Music and he brought Jeff in, Jeff Tansky, to help him learn the 90 plus dead tunes that he did so they charted out Whoa. all the tunes together nice. and practiced together and really like okay. sunk into it and I, I, there's a great interview in relics where trey's talking about not only the beacon jams but jeff himself and he mentions yeah. that like you know he if it weren't for jeff he wouldn't have been able to uh to pull it off he says so huh. so that's that that was pretty cool so cool. jeff tansy's cool like not so that's their bond yeah and I in think the so. in the little brief as we were talking earlier, quote unquote documentary of the the Beacon Jams, um, yeah, the infomercial. Yeah, on the Beacon yeah. Jams. <laughs> they, when they were interviewing yeah. Jeff Tansky, he speaks very, very highly of of Trey and his ability to, um, let let his music become something that it wasn't originally. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and his ability to collaborate with other people, and I think that was very poignant that part for me because that's kind of what this whole Beacon Gems was. Oh yeah, agreed. It was, you know rethinking the songs he's played for years and years and years and doing different things in different ways. And that's why they were kind of cool and original. Yeah. I love all the arrangements he did with Jeff were cool. The divided sky. Sure. Yes, and then yes. especially when the orchestral and arrangements started bringing the percussion and the full band and, you know, the stuff on you enjoy myself. Like, yes. uh, like, uh, like <laughs> stuff is great. Um, you're my, hitting on all my highlights. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll get to the highlights. Sorry, I, I didn't want to step on anybody's no toes. Worries. My other MVP is Mark Janowitz, the lighting designer. Um, He's he, also interviewed in that in that brief documentary, correct? I maybe he is. I maybe think he yeah. Is. yeah okay. I watched it once and then I was like, okay, I don't, I didn't. It was yes. I was really excited about it. And then I was like, oh, that's five minutes. It's like a yeah, tease. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, no, so he's he did the he, he lit the room. And it, I think he was one of the first people to say, let's flip it around and let me yes, light c- the correct. balconies, which was correct. gorgeous. Um, but this guy, like he's been doing tray. He's been lighting tabs since yeah, about 2012. Yeah. Yeah. He started doing that because Kuroda, Chris Kurotis was on a uh, had to do a Bieber tour <laughs> of all the things. Sick. Yeah. So. Chris CK fives on Bieber tour and Trey needed somebody to fill in. And so, um, Richard Glasgow, I guess Trey's manager put the two together and he's been doing lights for them, but he's also lit my morning jacket, Dr. Nice. Dog TV on the radio. He worked for a decade with a uh, blue man group, which Whoa, is where I think he really, yeah, yeah, really cut his <laughs> teeth there. Um, right, right, right. so, um, this guy has been around forever and man, did it look stunning. Like I thought they did a really good job with the lighting of the room and the empty audience. Yeah. Yeah. I even went back and was watching a couple clips today and there are like little, like just like t- 
tiny lights like in different seats. Yeah, exactly. So they're like yeah. little like pings of like starlight. It almost looks like. Yeah. The whole thing is very very cool. It was it was kind of his idea. Like Trey, I guess, had made a comment saying like he couldn't play to an empty yeah. theater because it would be right. too depressing. Yeah. So he was like, oh, I have this really cool idea. We could just flip you guys around. <laughs> yeah, that's phenomenal. Probably the best decision they made. Like, it looked really gorgeous. And so. I thought that's another thing that made these shows very, very special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that those were my two MVPs. Um, as far as highlights, what do you got? What was your favorite show? So my favorite show was Night 8, the last night, hands down, um, just because it was Tab. And it was like classic, full yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Tab, Tab, Tab. Yeah. It wasn't just the backup singers or little tidbits. Yeah. It was the entire band. Um, and they obviously played a lot of Tab songs, which I love. Um, but the Pebbles and Marbles that we came into the show on was in that show. Yes. Um, and and like like every group of shows, I guess uh, that I see, I always start out being very critical and very skeptical. Um, and that happened with this run. I was like, you know, they're not picking the songs I'd pick if I had strings or if I had horns or you know what I mean. And then yeah. it, it the thing that always happens always happens is it starts getting amazing, and then I end up having to eat my words. And <laughs> I just feel like the progression of songs that they were picking and the arrangements and the way they started to play songs uh became more interesting so even though they weren't like fish and uh, you know you can have arguments with people about this the hood you know you miss the the drum that comes yeah in. exactly you, you can have these ar- arguments debates whatever the fact that they were doing something different and original was cool <laughs> it was it was very cool so the the, the very specific parts uh, or songs i like like you were saying were the ones that started out maybe him acoustic or just him in the strings or whatever and then they started to slowly bring the rest of the band back in and it became a full giant thing and those i think were really the the highlight pivotal you know yeah. amazing parts of, of what they did i think song wise the the you enjoy myself was amazing with rescue squad and i think the harry hood was was really good <laughs> i loved i loved the um boy woman <laughs> yes i uh, i go back great. and i see those clips but i don't remember them singing that the woman oh woman. i did yeah i don't remember that it was cool as hell though yeah um they're all like standing in front of trey like, like a couple of highlights for me was i really liked the what's the use they did yeah and i really really liked the big full band version of tube Ooh, that was yes. fun yes 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 awesome And, of course, they did the one week was the Ghosts of the Forest recap. And while I'm not crazy, as crazy about that (laughs) show, just because we had already seen it. And I didn't need a whole other Ghosts of the Forest, personally. It was so awesome to see Fishman playing the drums with his giant beard and drinking a beer between songs. Just classic John Fishman. It it, it was a a vibe change to have him there, I thought. Yes. So even, I I agree. Even though I wasn't, like, ecstatic to see that that, that combination, I was like, ah, but Fishman's there. So you can't help but be smile, you know. I mean, honestly, that also, like, really upped my hopes for a full fish one too. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But that's okay. That's okay. Um I th- I feel like they probably tossed the idea around and tried it, but I'm sure it was like not, you know, practically well, I possible. Don't, they were saying that Paige put out a statement saying like it's just not going to happen right now, but I'm so proud of Trey. Yeah, and I, you yeah. Know. Well, he was originally supposed to be part of it one night. Like yeah, the way exactly. that Fishman sat yeah, in yeah. one but night, he, but he, he at the last minute or whatever couldn't do it. 
So those, that was another big highlight for me. I did want to mention that the um, Paige tray recordings from the barn that they did yeah. little, threw little tidbits of out, yeah. you know, before the actual show started. Like Brian and Robert and stuff. Yeah, an evening song, which yeah. gets stuck in my head. Um, but I just like sit there and, and watch those two play together. And I think they play so well together. And then seeing them on the backdrop of Vermont and just all these like right. beautiful pine yeah, trees. Yeah. And, nice you know, yeah, I'm just like, ah, God. These guys must be so happy with their lives. They're <laughs> where they want to be, doing what they want to do. And those were really cool little inside. Yeah. One other thing I would say about these Beacon Jams is um, while we both kind of expected the no repeats, I think it's cool that they did no repeats. But what's awesome yes. is instead of like no repeats 13 nights in a row, it's no repeats, but you have a week sure. to rehearse, to sure. learn the next night. So everything was so polished and, right, and right, tight. Right, and I mean... Right. I even think that going back to like, if you look at Fish's last fall tour, quote unquote, which is, I don't know if a week of shows constitutes yeah, a yes, tour, but um, they did no repeats and I think it kind of hurt him. Like, Do you think that's going to be the standard now? I don't know. And It's I, been happening since. Yeah. Like Baker's Dozen when they blew that up and people were just like, holy shit. They okay. go a long way, but they did, that was the whole tour they did without repeats. So like... I don't know if that's what we can expect going forward, but what I do like is when you see these older tours from like fall of 95 where they played, you know, four months or whatever, there's say there's like five or six Harry Hoods on that tour or something, sure. you know, um, it's cool to see the differences between the two and where they're going with the jams, but it's also like if you get it once and it's kind of a dud or a misfire, you kind of want to hear it again. Sometimes the no repeats can hurt them. I got it for the huh. Baker's Dozen. They had to be, but I think... A little bit longer of a tour and play some repeats. Who cares? You know. Sure, sure, sure. Like, that is actually a very valid point to the argument of playing stuff again. I, I would I would agree with that. I think you might be right. They usually need some warm up time. They need a little time to you yeah. Know, it's like on a tour, feel comfortable playing. Couple together. shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if a tour is a week long, you yeah. know, let them cook. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Very true. Okay. Huh. That is. A valid argument for that. I mean, yeah, it I, it really all just depends how often you see them, and how how often you go. I think, and kind of then like what your expectations. Are. Like the biggest criticism of a, any of my friends that when we see f shows too close together, they play to repeats. <laughs> so I guess if that's how you gauge what you want, you know, if that's the your bang for your buck is the no repeats. I don't mind hearing songs over again. I'm not like that person, you know? I think No Repeats is cool, and I think that shows that they have a giant catalog, but I, yeah. I, I don't think, you know, it wouldn't bother me to see <laughs> songs An extra again. down with disease is yeah, going to yeah, kill yeah. me it's, or it's whatever. Yeah, it's not going to, you know, <laughs> it's the band that I like to go see, and I go see them all yeah, the time. So I, I, ultimately, they're going to do whatever it is they want to do at this point in Fish, but... Um, you know, no one complained. Like, if you look look at the set list from December of 1995, people weren't complaining about repeats. 95, man. It's that's like a, people talk about, oh, this is... That's a year. Here are these three killer shows, and each one of them has a big fat scent of a mule right yeah. in the middle of it, and no one fucking cared, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I love... That's, like, one of the biggest things I love about going to listen back to old shows is the excitement of the crowd for what I consider such funny song selections like right <laughs> i'm just like whoa these, this audience is like freaking out over <laughs> this and it, i'm just like wow i mean that's great well, i that's, love when the audience freaks out that's over anything. one of the things even making this playlist is apparent to me is like you know 
if you didn't start going to fish shows until 2012 or whatever, Mike's song, you might just be like, ah, oh, Mike's song. Uh, it had a lot of weight back in the day. You know, sure, you, you look sure, at these fall sure. 90s, 70s, 20 minute Mike yeah, songs. Yeah, that's and definitely, stuff. that definitely receives a lot of applause. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think Mike's song was played in a different spot um, back in the day. Well, the one that I chose for the playlist is is a, a second set opener, but that Fall 97 was the first time they started really opening with it. And they do that in 3.0. I've seen a couple Mike song openers, but yes. it's always very standard Mike yes. song now. It's just the, yes. you know, the Mike's hydrogen. Maybe there's a simple in there. Sometimes you like get a... something we could but, plug. But a lot, for a, the most part, the Mike's is formulaic. There's yes. never the second jam anymore. Yes. Yes. And Pog is never really more than you know, seven, eight minutes or, you know, so no. it's just, it's, it, it's almost like it David, fast. it's like David Bowie is just a set closer really now these days in 3.0. It's, it's yeah, nothing more. True. It's I not a big jam true. vehicle. Yeah. Like in nine, the David Bowie's of 1995 are 20 minutes long, you know? Yeah. It's fucking nuts. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into your okay. list. The 12 jams <laughs> of Fishmas. So just to recap, the caveat is it's all December shows with one Except exception. One. <laughs> And um, no repeats, um, no New Year's runs, and I tried to take some hidden gems as well as some things that are that are pretty well known. There's a couple on here from official live releases, which I feel like jaded vets would crush me. You put a live release on your playlist, but these are things that some of these meant something to me, like tapes back in the day, especially right. twelve, fourteen, ninety-five. But um, right. Okay, should we just... Let's go. Let's we're go gonna through. We're going to go through it. All yeah. right. So number one. Number one. The first jam of Fishmas is 12-2-97 from the Philly Spectrum. This is Mike's song, Simple, Dogged Face Boy, Yamar, and Weekapog Groove. Yeah. Um, and awesome, awesome, awesome. The other thing is I tried to keep a lot of the stanzas in place. So if there is a good segue or there's a tease from a previous song, I wanted to keep it all... And I can kind of explain that. Um, this is just an awesome classic 97 Weekapok groove. I love how... Yeah, it starts to rip. <laughs> I mean, you get a good... It's only one jam on the mics, but it's that classic funky F sharp. And then the simple has really awesome duet of Paige and Trey at the end that kind of segues into Dogface Boy. The Yamar is outstanding, and it segues into Weekapok, which is starts off slow, but... By the 10, 11 minute mark. I wrote that. Starts the, to rip around 10 minutes. So wait until <laughs> so you get 10 minutes in. It starts getting crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like by the 12th minute, it's 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 nuts. So it's a classic jam. Also, the Philly Spectrum was a classic venue for the dead and for fish. I think it closed in 03 and it's now the Wachovia Center or something. Chris. Um Thanks, corporate America. Right? <laughs> Jam. And, and as you mentioned, this was the set two opener. It was a set two yeah. opener. Um, Most, are any of these not in set two? Are any of your selections not in set two? <sighs> Did you research that? I I went and actually looked inside the show where these laid, and I'm pretty sure... Everything's all, in set all, two or yeah, an encore. It, it, yeah, it's got to be. Okay, great, great. Interesting. I want to know if you had that. I didn't even <laughs> think about that consciously, actually. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the one I that, mean, but that's where they jam. So the one that sense. might not have been in set two would be the stash, but we'll, we'll get there. All right. um, jam number two, December 14th, 1995. This is a heavy hitter. Um, it was an official release. It's the Broom County Arena in Binghamton. Um, this is a Haley's Comet, NICU, and Slave to the Traffic Light stanza that is classic. I think it's the first jammed out Haley's Comet almost ever. 
past, you know, past the, like it gets to that part where it does the chordal modulations under a guitar solo. And then they just pick a key and hang on it. It segues beautifully into NICU. That was my favorite part of it. Yeah. It was very natural and very good. And was like hinting, 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 hinting. And then it got there and I was like, well, it's a really good segue. (laughs) I love it. Um, this is a big deal. I got this at the same time as I got the 111495 tape of the show I was at. That's the Orlando stash. So these shows are exactly a month apart. And uh, I got the tapes at the same time, early 96. And this segment just blew my mind. Jamming yeah, on Haley's Comet, at a, a rarer in NICU at the time. And then 95 slaves are, are, are killer. Um, Track three, I actually have a clip that we're going to play. I went, this is the oldest one on the list, um, but I was looking for something, especially pre-94. There was no December 93. Um, 92 is a fun year, um, but this just sounded a bit ahead of its time for me. I kind of fell in love with this stash. Uh, It's really not that exploratory, but like there's a cool little quiet section that we're going to hear from here. Haunting. It gets haunting. Um, I just love the group interplay, even back in 1992. I thought that was just a a really cool stash. It gets to a big soaring peak, too. I encourage everybody to listen to the full thing. (laughs) Sick. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that because I listened to that today and I was like, meh. (laughs) there's some there's some subtleties in there (laughs) the reason i'm wound by it is because it sounds like it could be from a a later year almost yeah 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 yes Uh, that like sassy piano like i love i love it yeah it's just a little scary almost nightmare on elm street part there (laughs) at the end um all right the fourth jam of Fishmas. We're we're getting into some 3.0 for the first time here. Yay! And this Liar. is December sixth, <laughs> two thousand nineteen, from the North Charleston Coliseum. This is Axilla One, sense and subtle sounds with the intro and no quarter. The reason I kept Axilla One on here is because, um, at the end of Axilla Two, there's a chordal slowdown. There's this ending that that exists on the album Hoist, and it's a very slow chordal progression. Sometimes, they haven't played Axilla 2 since 95, but sometimes they'll put that Axilla 2 ending on Axilla 1, and I thought that that's what they were doing here, but instead they go into the actual intro, which they don't usually do of Sense and Subtle Sounds. So that was my question. I don't think I've ever seen that. What's 
they don't where well, they just don't play it. They usually start it with the the guitar chords, the blamps, 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 blamps. Right. You know, and uh, there's this whole sort of rhythmic um, intro section that's like a couple minutes long. It's on the album. I think it's split up on the album, um, and they rarely play that section. So I thought they were going in to the jam <laughs> ending of Axilla Two on Axilla One when they went into Sense, but then. The jam in Sense has a bunch of Axilla teases all throughout it, which makes it really ah. cool. And then when they finally go into No Quarter, it really brings the house down. And a lot of bands have tried to cover No Quarter, and that guitar riff is very, a very Jimmy Page-esque riff that nobody quite pulls off like him. And I think Trey does the best job out of anyone else I've ever heard try to attempt it. Because it's a deceivingly easy-sounding riff, but it's not. Right, 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 right. So, gotcha. um, always one of my favorites. I, I remember seeing Vita Blue cover No Quarter and thinking, gosh, I wish Fish were around to do this. <laughs> and finally they did at some point in 3.0. They've been doing it for a while now. But, um, so that was a cool moment, um, one of the cooler moments of the Charleston run, which I thought was a little weird. Um, we watched a lot of the simulcasts. It was just strange to me, but um, I don't know. There was mixed... Mixed bag of reviews on that on that whole fall tour, I feel like. They made up for it big time on the New Year's run, though. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the fifth jam of Fishmas. We're going to the Palace of Auburn Hills. This is another big heavy hitter. Uh, December 6, 1997, because any playlist probably should have a tweezer. Yes, um, So uh, I chose the Palace Tweezer. It's just phenomenal. It's cool group jamming, but Trey is spectacular. The segue into Isabella is fun. They funk out Isabella. And then the interesting thing is they go into Twist, but this is a 97 twist. It's It has a different song structure uh, than it starts out with the bass line only. Right. And then Fishman comes in. And so it's a cool historic look at Twist. It's It would have fit that spot no matter how they arranged it. It's the perfect slot for that jam to me. Huh. And the jam is still twisty but it's it's not right. it's full song yet right, right, and so right, it's right. kind of cool huh, just for historic uh very cool purposes um moving on our sixth jam of fishmas december 5th 1995 the mullins center at umass amherst uh this is a pretty ripping hairy hood yeah um there is a menagerie of awesome hairy hoods from december of 95 um so you could probably plug and play any of them here. I chose sure, this one. Sure, sure. Um, they're all really good. Yeah, this. And yeah. I think we're gonna listen to that at set break, so I'm excited for you guys to hear that. <laughs> and this is where I would say the fake set break in my playlist would be. Copy. So, moving on, we got a couple more clips and uh, five more jams. Uh, number seven, fittingly is yeah, the exception below. to the rule. Uh, it's Seven Below from November 28th, 09. That's Albany. Um, is it the Times Union now? Yes. <laughs> God bless you. Oh, thank you. Did you pick this just because it was as close to December as you could get? Yes, and I wanted, <laughs> I wanted the song Seven Below, yes. and that's only been around since 2.0, and there were no December versions of it outright. Which um, is odd. Which is yeah, it is funny. I always they usually, think of it, they usually I always think of it as know. a wintry song. Like Yeah, they usually when do you're that. you know, 
June sitting on a lawn in Camden, seven below, isn't really <laughs> like I'll take it because it's a fun jam, but it, it's not very fitting or apropos. Exactly. Um, so I really wanted that to be on the list. And also, this is one of the first big seminal jams of 3.0. Um, it's early on. It does segue into Ghost, which I cut off because I have another Ghost I, I, coming yeah, after I that. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that it actually <coughs> goes into Ghost, and then you pick another Ghost for your next jam. I thought this it was song funny. is great. It's long, the Seven Below, but it like really builds and fucking just like goes off like towards the end. It's really, it gives me the feeling I get when I'm at shows and they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah, you're it's starting a, to get like crazy. I think it's a, I think it's a watershed <laughs> moment of that year. Is one of the bigger more fluid just they're really on it jams and the segue into ghost is really cool however i wanted to use this other ghost um so that's the seven below and i also i needed to get that song on the list and i wanted some 3.0 action in here um and only one jam wouldn't have been enough so seven below would have segued into ghost our eighth jam of fishmas is december 11th 1999 once again the philly spectrum a lot of big Big time shows were played at the Philly Spectrum. Rest in peace. Uh, and this is a set two opener. This ghost is a set two opener, is it not? Is it? I thought I saw. I noted that it was, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just in set two. I think it's just in set two. I can't remember. Set two is five songs, though. Yeah, your, I think there's one perfect, before it. Yeah. I love the five song. Yeah, the five song second structure. set. Um. So this is Ghost into 2001, um, and I've got a little clip from this Ghost here we can listen to. Yeah, let's do it.
So that was your cutoff point. I think it's really funny because I the comment on that, my little comment tidbit, was around 15 minutes or just we're just ahead of 15 minutes. It starts getting fucking super weird. Yeah. Like with like bird chirps and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like like that's when it starts getting like it goes full on ambient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and so we, we didn't have to give bird noises to the yeah, listeners. No. Yeah, yeah. It goes and who could have ever thought that they would go into 2001 after that? <laughs> right. And then in my mind I was like, yep, here it comes. Yeah, you, you can, can kind you can, of, you can feel kind it. Of, yeah, you could feel you it in the room it. too. Everybody yeah. this is uh, this is one of the two shows um on this list that I attended and you could feel it in the. That was an awesome show. Also, twelve eleven ninety nine. There's a Harry Hood opener. I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty. It's a pretty raucous show. And but you could feel in the room. Everyone's like, "Where is the two thousand one? And when the beat drops, it's just it becomes dance party. Heck yeah! I mean, I, I love, love those nineties two thousand ones. Those late nineties two thousand ones. So the other show on this list that I attended is our ninth jam of. Fishmas, and that is December 11th, 1997, yes. the Veterans War Memorial Coliseum in Rochester. This show is featured on Bittersweet Motel. Okay. Um, you can see clips of the Down with Disease there mm. in the movie, and there's some footage of some whole songs from it. You nice. can also see them practicing The Roses Are Free backstage. Aww. And so the selection that I've chose is Drowned into Roses Are Free. This is the very first ever Roses Are Free. Whoa. And apparently they're learning it backstage. I was like, saying, that's why uh, they were which practicing. Is, <laughs> which was awesome. And, that's really interesting. Cool. Uh, I went to this show and then tried to get into the two next nights were the end of the 97 tour because I was so enamored from Hampton that I got some days off and drove all the way back from Florida up to New York. Jeez. I got into Rochester, could not get into the two Albany shows, but met some nice people whose names escaped me. And <laughs> we had a good old time. It was really freaking cold. But they went into Roses, and I'm like, I actually bought the Ween album Pure Guava on the same day I bought Rift by Fish. So I've been a Ween fan for a long time, and I knew That's this cool. tune, and I was like, really weirded. I was like, I can't, like, once they started singing, I was like, what is this? What are they playing? And as soon as they. It was familiar. Yeah, it, it just like, I just didn't, wasn't, and it, take a piece of tinsel, and I was just like, oh my God, this is weird. <laughs> And everybody else was like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like a savior to like the people to the right and left of me. I was like, this is this ween. Ween. It's ween. They're playing so ween. You know ween. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, and then to see it on Bittersweet Motel, like in the movie theater, I just had total goosebumps. There's a bunch of awesome shit from this show. Very cool. A Down with Disease reprise that's really cool in the nice. second set after a first set one. But uh, yeah, Drown into Roses. Um, okay. You can't go wrong there. For our 10th jam of Fishmas, and here's where it's trying to be like a regular show, we're going to get our Fishman tune. So we got, got Hold Your got Head it. Up, Trey's going to go onto the drums, and Fishman's going to sing Touch Me by the Doors with yes. the giant country horns, I, okay, and it great, is phenomenal. Great, great, great. I saw that little note, and I was like, oh, 94, it stands for country horns, mm, yeah. so it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, and so just Fishman... Being Jim Morrison is just fucking hilarious. I love it. Uh, like, I think that's one of my favorite all-time Fishman sang songs. Nice. They didn't do it that much. Um, you know, it's up there to me with suspicious Have they allowed minds. him to sing more or less as Fish has gone on? Well, I think they've actually allowed him to sing a lot more in real songs, like backing vocals and right, stuff like right, that. Right, right, okay. But I think they do the fish gag less. Right, you know, it comes gags. out like once a tour or something now, whereas right. it used to be every other night or so. Right, okay. If okay. you look at like 92, yeah. when they're they're playing a new, to a new crowd every night, that's part of it. Like it's, sure. it's part of their staple. And I mean, 
I get why people don't like it. I fucking I love it though. Fishman's a showman, man. It, he is. He is. He, he really is, and it's great. And so I love touch it. me is great. And then usually what happens after a fish show is like they'll do the fishman's thing. He'll go back to the drum kit, and yeah. they'll have one last big jam segment before the encore. And for that, I chose a gem that I found. I'm really enamored with this jam. I was supposed to go to these shows. It's uh. All right, so we're going to do Rock and Roll into Weekapog into Tweezer Reprise yes. from December 2nd, 03. This is the Fleet Center Boston. Now, these yes. were part of their 25th anniversary run of shows. They did four okay. shows. I was supposed to go to them, but I was on tour in a, in a country music band. We were supposed to have December off. After Thanksgiving, we were supposed to be off, so I was going to go to these shows, and the singer went ahead and booked a bunch of gigs in like Texas for like early December and I missed them, and I was kind of mad about it, but Ugh. I was getting paid 600 bucks a week in cash to play guitar, so can't really, you know, complain sure. about it. But Life like, ain't that bad. I always thought that once I'm a professional musician, I just won't care about anything else. I still felt like I was missing something, because Fish were playing, and I'm at a gig somewhere else in ah. the middle of fucking Montana or some shit. Um, but uh, this is just, just a gem of a jam. This rock and roll is awesome. Um, the fact that it goes into Weekapog smoothly, there is no mic song at this show whatsoever. Uh, okay. Um, but then there's a, a, a little bit of a mic song vocal tease in the Twee Prize. Um, so cool. this gets you a Weekapog reprise because the Weekapog is only two minutes long. It right. gets you your Twee Prize. There you go. And it serves it as last jam before the uh, before the one of the greatest encores of all time, in my opinion. Um, so we're going to take a listen. Yeah, we got a little clip here yeah, from Rock the and end, Roll. Yeah, the end of Rock and Roll here.
uh, that's trippy as fuck. Like I would not. You wouldn't even know known, it was in rock and roll or anything. I was just gonna that. say that I really would not. I can kind of hear the the Weekapod creeping in the. Yeah, right. You can hear it coming. <laughs> you could just hear it on the horizon. Yeah, I also like, just <laughs> love that the 2.0, like that brooding sort of thick guitar tone that Trey had. That's just unmistakable and different from any other era. Yeah. Um, a lot of great fucking jams in 2.0 that are just overlooked and. Um, yeah, 2.0 gets no love. So, you know, and it really, it should get a lot more. So that brings us to the 12th jam of Fishmas. And an I chose encore for an encore. An encore for an encore. I chose it because I wanted an encore. But not only is this a December show, um, this is a great fish show of all time, I believe. In a year where a lot as much maligned, you know, according to a lot of people, even though there's some big watershed moments. This is December 6th. 1996, the Aladdin Theater, their first time in Vegas, and it is a monster of a show. They were they rented suites at the like Bellagio. They were partying with nice. friends in Primus and just people. Like Trey talks about it in the Fish book, he was like, "We were doing mushrooms the whole bit." Like, just it was the last show of the tour before the New Year's run. Sure, their first time in Vegas. I mean, these guys are on top of the world. So this is a Harpua in halftime. Uh, Les Claypool and Larry Lalonde from Primus I, I, join. Of course, of course. And they do the yeah. Wild Weed rap. Yep. Um, they're there for the whole encore, too. Yep. Um, so then Jimmy and Poster Nutbag are trying to get from Gamehenge basically to Vegas. And when they get to Vegas, first they spend a night in the desert, and there's some yodeling, which is beautiful. Then when they get to Vegas, they're blocked by all these other Elvises. And Jimmy has, to, Jimmy has to out-Elvis the Elvi. And, of course, they yes. go into Suspicious Minds, which Fishman would sing with an Elvis cape previous to this anyway that would yes. light up on the inside. Yes. And so there's a great Suspicious Minds with other Elvises. They go into a Susie Greenberg jam. There's a bass duel between Les and Mike. It's just fun all around. It's like a 30-minute encore. And yeah, like, it's fun. People it's are one having the, a good time. Like People talk about that Dick's encore where they spelled out thank you. That's some sloppy-ass <laughs> playing compared to this, man. Uh, this is the best fish encore, I think, ever. So I had to yeah. choose it. There's a bunch of moments. like The Mike's groove from this show is stellar, but like we already had a Mike's groove. Right, the 2001 right, right, right. is really good in the right. first set, no less. And right, and you didn't already want to had do one. any repeats. Yeah, so. not on one playlist. Um, I thought the soundcore was cool. It was fun. I enjoyed listening to it a lot. That tape, I remember getting that tape and just like just shitting my pants over that whole show. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, there were a couple runners up that didn't make the cut, which include also the Auburn Hills show, 12697. There's a really awesome bathtub gin into foam. It's yeah, just really, that really, great. really cool. Um, there was a 12797, uh, the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. There's a Wolfman's that segues into the first Boogie on Reggae Woman since Woo! the 80s. And that's a really fun jam. I just, it didn't get on there. Um, there's also a David Bowie from the Philly Run, 12, uh, December 3rd. Uh, and then... Um, we would be remiss if we did not mention what is known as the Albany Yem. December 9th, 1995 is perhaps one of the most lauded you enjoy myself of all time. But I feel like everybody's heard it, you know? So, sure, sure, sure. And you could say that about the Haley's I chose and even the Tweezer, but more so this Albany Yem is famous. And I think everybody already knows it, but what a monster. What a monster. So that's it. That's my 12 jams of Fishmas. Yay. That was awesome. J3PO approved. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, so yeah, hopefully I'll get this up and up and posted ASAP, so you can not only listen to the jams you've selected from each one of these shows, but hopefully the whole show. 
They're all good shows yeah, in their own you right. Know, you know, that's that's the funny thing is like when I was going through and listening to them, it's not. I mean, it's not. It wasn't what you picked because I obviously was very interested in that. But when you go to the show, you're like, oh, but there's this, and oh, but there's that. So yeah, it's, it's hopefully it'll inc- encourage you to get in the spirit and listen to the whole show. The holiday spirit. There's some pitfalls with making a playlist like this because you don't want repeats. But there's like. I could probably make a playlist of all December 95 Harry Hoods, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, certainly, 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 certainly. All right, so speaking of Harry Hood, we're going to go take a little break, and we're going to go out on the 12-5-95 Harry Hood, which was your... It was the, the number, Harry Hood I number chose. Six. Yeah, number six jam. Yes. Uh, so we will be back after a short break.
Thank you. 
and welcome back to Galaxy Brew. I'm Eliza. I'm J3PO. Yep. All right, and that was Harry Hood from 12595. December. <laughs> all right boom Woo! let's always get all right so moving on now to beer the beer segments beer um yeah and i guess we wanted to talk about like beers seasonal beers or beers we drink uh during christmas time or december yeah yeah what the hell is a christmas beer anyway it can really be anything these days. I think traditionally, um, and a lot of bre- for a lot of breweries still, I think it's stouts, uh, barrel aged stouts, big heavy beers. Um, yeah. Really, what the craft beer scene was doing was saving up their barrel aged or specialty beers, resting them, resting them, resting them, and then kind of doing these big releases, you know, in December when people are looking for cool specialty bottles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and a lot of breweries still do that. Um, Bissell's one I know every year they release uh, Angels with Dirty Faces, uh, which is their barrel-aged Imperial Stout, and that's a reference to uh, in Home Alone. Angels with Filthy Faces, something like that. It's a reference to Home Alone. It's the movie he's watching uh, right, when right. he gets to be Home Alone by himself, and he watches like bad Leave movies. it on the doorstep and get yeah, the hell out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. It's cute. It's, you know, tongue-in-cheek. It's a little, it's a little playful. Sure. Um, I personally don't. I'm not a huge stout drinker. I'm just not. I, yeah. ne- I never have been. Uh, so I don't get like too excited around this time of year. Like my favorite time of year is fall uh, for wet hop season, not for yeah. pumpkin season. So yes. like, I, I'm, I'm a huge like fall gal. Um, but I think recently people have kind of, you know, as you know, American U.S. craft brewers do. They find ways to turn stuff on their head and do stuff that nobody thinks of. So, I mean, like, for instance, Bell's Winter Beer is a, is a Belgian white. Yeah. A, a lot of people now are kind of taking styles and, and running with whatever they want to do and not necessarily doing a stout or a brown ale or a porter or, you know, what what traditionally has been done. Um, so anyway, I, I've never been a dark stout drinker, but I think it's fair to say, you know, there are dark beers out there that aren't stouts. Oh yeah. So that's, that's where I, where my mind goes when I want to be drinking a little bit of a heartier beer, not necessarily a stout. I just think of like what I could be drinking. Um, and you know, not so coincidentally, a lot of, uh, the local breweries now, uh, the craft breweries are coming out with dark lagers, which I love. I know, which a lot of people love. I genuinely think that's going to be a trend at some point moving forward um, because a lot of people are drinking pilsners and lagers now, and it's kind of the preferred style of a lot of people, a lot of I know. groups. Um, so I don't know if it'll ever be like the main, you know, as strong as the IPA trend, but there it is trending that people want lagers and, and pilsners now more than Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, for me, you know, back in the day, drinking beer, Christmas, I always thought of a couple of things. Uh, Delirium Noel, 
That's the, still around. The Anchor Christmas release. That's also still around. Yeah. They have uh, some kind. They change the tree every year. Yeah. yeah. Some fir tree, I think, is on their, their label this year. Right. Yeah. Douglas fir. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And then um, Rogue used to do a Santa's Little Helper every year. Yes. And theirs was I actually more towards the IPA. It was like a pinier kind of amber IPA, which I really liked. Um, I guess holding that card is Sierra Celebration, which everybody loves. But yeah. we were talking about this before. I love that beer. It is also a wet hop beer, but yes. um, I don't love it because of anything to do with Christmas. It's just a really good IPA that's nice and dry and balanced and like a lot of good wet hop character to it. However, yeah. it comes out every December and has a red label, you know? Right. So for you, mm. that's your like... It has been flat, for the last yeah, like yeah, few yeah, years because these like, days, oh, Delirium Noel just tastes like candied sugar a lot to me. Like, you know, a lot of that. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of beers um, like that just... A pale ale that's just overly spiced. You know, Trogue's Mad Elf comes to mind. I can't yes. stand that beer. Um, and it's, it's, so it's just all spice and people, cherries people and nutmeg. And, and it's just because it's 12% or whatever, you know, or something. It's like 13%. Or, or, yeah. Or it's got cherries. People <sighs> love cherries at this time of year for whatever reason. It always just tastes like medicine to me. It does. It really tastes like cough medicine. It really tastes like cough medicine. So those beers I just want to throw out. And so I guess that's why I gravitate towards something <laughs> like a celebration, you know. Yeah. Um, but the darker lagers I really like. I mean, yeah. you know, I've always been a fan of brewing dark lagers. Yeah. And um, it's underserved definitely in this community, probably in everywhere. It's probably slightly underserved as a style. Agreed. Um, so I picked a couple, I picked a couple of dark lagers to, to discuss today on the show, just because it's what I like to drink always. And uh, again, not so coincidentally, it's what's been kind of flooding the market a little right now. Um, a couple, a couple of people have mentioned to me they're hot on uh, beers brewed with spruce right now, um, because it's another kind of way to inject, you know the quote-unquote like christmas flavor yeah, yeah without like you're saying doing the cinnamon the cherry the whatever spruce tips right so uh grim has a goza with one uh and pipeworks has an ipa with one but <laughs> their ipa is very west coast it's like centennial well that cascade. would lend a tan more to the piney right, flavor right then. right so it's very classic west coast uh caddy piney the type of hops that i really like and the ipas i really like um but what we're drinking right now is a Grim Lethos Schwartz beer. And talk about underserved styles. Uh, I wish more people made Schwartz beers year round. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it doesn't have to be a seasonal style. Yeah, but, you know. it really does not. Um, dark, you get all the notes you want from a dark beer cocoa, coffee, chocolate, roasty, roast malt. But then it's ultra dry, so you can drink it and get all those flavors, and then kind of just finishes drop real off. clean. Yeah. Yep. Keep wanting to go back for for a second sip. Um, I'll try any Schwartz beer you put in front of me. <laughs> uh, I I remember year, and this was years and years and years ago. That was the whole thing. Uh, I had people asking me for dark beers, but they didn't want something heavy or sweet, and this was the answer. And Baba Black Sheep from. 21st Amendment was the only thing craft-wise yeah. being brewed. I know that, that was beer. a black lager at the time. Now, and it's been forever, Kostritzer, people love, because that's a classic yeah. Schwartz beer. But the craft the craft guys got to get, uh, get on their game with the Schwartz beer, I think. 
Yeah, I I mean, I would have one on tap all year <laughs> round. <laughs> if it was Flagship me. release, yeah. If it were up to me. Yeah. Um, sweet. Well, so this is great. I think this is this a really is a pretty well good. Weird. Yeah. I think I I I say this li- not lightly, but I do think Grim uh, does loggers well uh, as far as local breweries go. Um, a lot of brewery loggers that I like, uh, I end up researching and finding out that they do step mashes for. And I think that's kind of the key uh, when you're looking to like elevate your your loggers to, to a different level is the whole step mash thing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people use a lot of different acidulated grains and stuff to uh, – skip the step step mashing like i don't think a lot of breweries are really set up to do it anymore no, but it's a no, thing that's most, coming most back most are not most are not yeah. and i think the system actually requires a lot more money <laughs> right right uh so it's something that people like aren't trying to do but the people that are doing it or have a little bit of a leg up shilling does it <laughs> um a lot of my like hero logger producers like do yeah. the step mash so i just found it's that a commitment thread yeah for sure for sure for sure show yeah this um, one's this one's very well it's good made, it's yeah. smooth it's dry it's everything i want a dark lager to be and again it's the perfect like winter time beer because you get all the dark beer it flavors you're after and it's not heavy and it's not sweet i the thing i can't stand with anything with any beer is when it's so sweet or just so cloying that it sits on my palate for too Indef- long indefinitely yeah. yeah yeah and that is like i just want this off out of my mouth and i want a glass of water i don't want this anymore yeah i i tend to agree <laughs> these days um i mean i try to mash almost everything below 150 these days and just it's just great when a nice dry lager it's like there you go it's what you want man it's what you want uh christmas also for me like the holidays thanksgiving and christmas predominantly and covid really suck the wind out of my bubble this year but for me it's about like sharing bottles and getting together and whipping out like rare bottles yeah you can only drink with you know a group of people because right. you can't drink a 22 ounce bottle of some crazy 14 percent motor oil stout yeah <laughs> you gotta have friends around so um that for me is something i'm kind of missing these days i didn't drink any beer on thanksgiving actually i just drank wine it's sad it's disgusting huh. I should be. I drank both. Hung up and <laughs> I don't know what for that. I'm trying to decide which of these to drink next first. Hmm. So again, uh, whatever shilling is like my obsession right now. Uh, I didn't do this on purpose. There were just two beers I drank recently that I really liked. So I'm happy to be sharing them with you. I'm I'm happy to uh, be drinking them. Let's do the barrel first. Okay. Okay. Let's do the three shilling. Um, this is a recent collab they did. So I think even on one of our previous podcasts, we, we discussed yeah. the merriment, which was the fest style. Exactly. Lager. Which was really, really wonderful. So it was their, it was their slightly higher alcohol version of a Czech lager. That's why yes. they called it a fest lager. And I liked it. Yeah. So that, um, they brewed at threes. <laughs> uh, no, they brewed that at shilling. This one was brewed at threes. Um, and it is an oak aged dark check lager. So they wanted to keep keep the collab going. 
<laughs> yeah, and do, and I do like something it. else here. Um, so we got this boy this time. <laughs> I was really pumped about it. It's called Precipice. Sorry, I didn't even say the name. I just don't even care. But it's so freaking good. And everyone that's tried this is losing their mind about it. <laughs> and here's the description. 4.5% check dark lager. These are the words. It's because they don't say it. They just give you like words that make pictures in your brain. <laughs> Ski Lodge hot cocoa. Snappy. Baker's chocolate is legit. Uh, creamy morning beer. <laughs> what does that mean? None of that means anything. <laughs> I think the Baker's chocolate is spot on. Yeah, I can. Um, but everything else is just like feelings. <laughs> Which is fine because those are the beers I tend to gravitate towards when they give me like a, a, mem- a food memory, a taste memory. This is probably also like a tiny bit colder than you should drink this. Yeah, I'm um, not getting very much wood, actually. Um, it, it's very faint. It's very faint. It's good. It's a little it's less roasty. roasty. It's a little less roasty than the previous one, but sure. um, maybe that's just because it is a little cold right now. Um, yeah. And I don't... What are, is this like a style that is made? A, a dark Czech lager? Like, is that I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, could, I don't know if I could name... You know, a com- a commercial one or any other one. Yeah, I can't think of any old world dark right? check like loggers. Yeah, I know that's like a thing that people do though, like Peroni or Moretti does the red, and I know they're they're like dark right. versions of you know pale stuff. Let's see, like dark lager. It seems to be a thing. There's a Czech beer brewers are obsessed with. European country has a dark beer secretly. Oh, so maybe this is like a regional thing. They do this in the Czech Republic. There's homebrew recipes for it. Huh. I've just I had never heard of it before I Yeah, I'm not this. I can't I can't cite any examples. It wouldn't surprise me if they roasted some grains in Czechoslovakia at one point or whatever, but like <laughs> you just don't you don't think of that as like a, a it is a, a BJCP style category. Oh, so we're done. This is, this is no, I mean, I just I've never heard it. Vital stats. So go down to the bottom. This is always what I check. Commercial examples. Uh, <laughs> Budweiser makes one. Budvar. Budvar well, no, dark. no. Budvar is is not Budweiser. It's not an Anheuser-Busch product. That's an actual Czech beer. It says Budweiser Budvar. Weird, because there is a beer called Budvar. It has no affiliation with Budweiser. Yeah, and like it's from it's centuries old. All of these old. are in different languages, so I so again, it's not so again, it's not there. It's not made here, right? They they're not made here, huh? Wow, cool. Well, another thing that craft <laughs> that domestic breweries could jump on, I guess. I see why Schilling wanted to do this style as well then, because they're all about doing like traditional regional styles that are very underdone and very underserved here. So that kind of makes sense. Style attributes, balanced bottom fermenting Central Europe, dark color, dark lager family, lagered standard strength traditional style. <laughs> Those are the tag. Well, it's very tag good. Words. The mouthfeel is great. Um, 
It's a little less roasty than the previous one. I like this. It's it's even more drinkable, I think. So there's a brewery in Prague that's been making this since 1499, the style. There you go. I think this is w- it's good, and we probably shouldn't have drank the Swartz beer before this. Because um, this is a lot more subtle. Yeah. And a lot more yeah. sort of delicate. Which I like. That's what I'm liking about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I this I mean, again, I would drink this over like a brown ale because it like gives me the same things I'm after, but I think it's drier. It just uh, <laughs> and then the character Which doesn't linger. Thing. You know, it's the ale yeast lingers a lot longer. You get For that sure. candyish like finish on your tongue. Well, it's well, it's brewed well, got really good carbonation, nice mouthfeel. I think it's a home run for sure. Three's shilling precipice. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, three's and shilling. Not it's like I've ever December had a beer from shilling I did not like, but you know. They've all been pretty good. And speaking of which, so I've heard a lot of mixed things about this beer before I tried it. Uh, so I wanted to try it because <coughs> some people were like, yeah, it's good, but I've had bitter dunkles. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is a land beer dunkle. So they're regular land beer. Which I've you, had, as yeah. As you know, yep. Um, it's a rustic lager. And they actually use the Weinstefan yeast to produce Right, that. right. Nondescript German lager <laughs> is basically what it's supposed <laughs> right. to be, I think. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so I they I don't know for sure because I haven't researched I haven't looked this up but I'm pretty sure they use rye in this for sure, um, so I think they were just trying to amp up all those sort of roasted spicy darker malts and also keep it very like farmhousey grassy that yeah, type of yeah. jam but just keep it with dark, um, and I instantly I <laughs> I do this thing around other people I shouldn't do is like when I'm tasting beer with them I don't give them the chance to like say what they're tasting I just shout out what I'm <laughs> tasting and it's always spot on so I like should I just don't want to do that this time I'm going to give you um, a chance to try it and tell me what you think but it, th- a very specific thing comes to mind when I drink this beer and I actually I'm in love with it uh, okay. I really really like this beer a lot um, maybe we should talk about what we plan to drink on Christmas this year, you're gonna drink your Sierra celebration. I'm gonna have some <laughs> celebration. Um, I'm probably gonna be drinking wine. I'm gonna do either a prime rib roast or something to that effect in the oven. So uh, it's gonna be bottles of red. Um, very nice. That's very classic. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I think um, I got some old some Marietta Cellars old vine red. That's really good. Um, great price point for wine. Ten bucks a bottle if you can get it at that price is just it'll out drink a thirty dollar bottle and then I have a few other gems sitting around. I don't drink wine often, but when I do, ooh, can I have a fresh glass? Can you have a fresh glass? Why, yes, you can, sir. Just because I'm not done with this other one, <laughs> I don't want to. Perfect. All right, so. Let's look up some stats on this. Land boy. beer dunkel. Yes. Showing land beer dunkel. Like the 
darkest of the three, maybe. Four point seven percent dark lager of Franconian origin, util- utilizing local malts and a Bavarian yeast strain. First piloted in North America by Schilling. Oh, cool. So this is like kind of proprietary-ish. Characterized by chocolate notes and walnut-like richness. The finish is medium-bodied and velvety with balanced bittering. It smells like nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, the walnut-like thing is, uh, is grabbing you. <laughs> smells like nuts. still taste what I tasted when I tasted it the first time. Like it has a peanut butter taste to me. Really? <laughs> slight slight peanutty taste almost. Peanut? Well, um, I mean, that's a nut. Oh, actually, it's not a nut. Well, Watch is that a, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm getting something here. This is this is good, actually. Um this is this banging is, good. It's it's like way different than the other two. It's so much more unique. Um, yes. And I'm wondering how much I I guess it must be a lot of this yeast their yeast strain then. That's kind of what's sta- setting this apart, I think. What it's Bavarian yeast strain? Yeah. Piloted by them. This is they've taken it from Bavaria and now oh, they're, wow. they're using it at chilling. Oh, this is just fucking untapped for the random comments. People are just like, yo, here's my badge. Um, I think this beer tastes like pretzels. <laughs> like straight up. I see it. Like I get a nutty quality, but then it's like crackery. It's like super crackery. Sure. But like pretzel, darker crackery. Yep. Um, I also... And now I just can't untaste pretzels. <laughs> See, that's why I'm just like, Bre- this beer is like pretzels. So I like shouted it out. There's a good grassy, hoppy note to it. Like, it does. It, it is, it's got a nice hop finish. Like, there's some cool stuff going on here that yeah. makes every sip interesting. Yeah. Where it's like the other two, like, I would have been bored of by the end of the pint. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree. I agree. This is more complex. Um, and has a lot of, like you're saying, like subtlety in, in, in ways like yeah, you described it best. Every time you go and take a sip of it, you kind of get something different or you, something else is unlocked. Pretzel grass. Pretzel grass. The, the, the finish is pretzel. Like after yeah. I drink it and swallow it and I'm going like my mouth, like it's what my mouth it's is like, like after yeah. I've eaten pretzels. Yeah, that sort of crackery, cooked dough, bread dough, jam. Um, so good, though. So anyway, these are three. This would be good, good with like examples. a sharp cheese, I feel like. For sure, like a cheddar. Yeah. Yeah, mm, of course. And guess what? It would probably taste like that combo grilled cheese. Oh my god! That was Randy Moe. <laughs> that was my favorite. Like when I was studying for Cicerone's favorite like thing. It's like you can take this and pair it with this, and it's either complementary or the opposite. Or right, you, right. You know what I'm saying? But then there are these flavor combos. You get these chance combos, and it's like holy fuck! 
Like it literally makes tricks your brain into thinking it's something it's not. Yeah. So the classic is always yeah, like brown ale with cheddar. But this with like a cheddar, a really sharp English cheddar, would literally trick your brain into thinking you're having like grilled cheese. Like right. One's like peach lambic with like a brie or something like that. It's like peaches and cream. Yeah, yeah. So like they're they're you take the two good things, you put them together, and then it becomes a whole other third thing on its own. But I do agree. I think this would be really good. With Sharp-ass, like, crumbly English cheddar. <laughs> Worse than that good crystally Wisconsin cheddar. Hell yeah. I love the crystals. I love yeah. those sharp, crunchy crystals. Such a cool mouthfeel. Yeah. Oh, it's my jam. Um, so anyway, I, I hope we're gonna, we'll post these. Obviously, we'll post what we're drinking. Um, I think these are three really good examples of dark beers that you can have that aren't necessarily stouts <laughs> that kind of step you out of that. You know, so there are other dark beers out there you can have that are really. Yeah, some of those imperial stouts just taste like motor oil at some point. Where it's just like, oh, the eleven percent imperial stout that's five years old. (laughs) Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't fuck with that shit. I used to drink them all the time. See, same. same, same. I don't know what it was. You got a case of old Rasputin? Yeah. Yeah. Old Rasputin. That's still a classic, though. It is, but... I'm talking about more like... I used to do, like, vertical tastings of, like, the Bourbon County Stouts and Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Like, just dumb. Like, crazy dumb shit. Even, like, um... What the fuck? Is it McKellar? Like, coffee... Coffee breakfast stout or mm. some shit, right? The Barrel Age? Like, weasel stout or some shit? Right. Like, oof. Coffee and beers. Not... You don't like it? Com- yeah. It's just a weird combo. Coffee's I think the, an upper. Well, yeah, I think the <laughs> I think that like the, feel weird. the flavors lend their hands together, but I don't want my beer to be caffeinated per se. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I 100 and holy 10% agree. Um, wicked cool. All right, well, thank you for sharing these beers with me. Thanks for having me. These it's are rare, great. It's rare that I get yeah, it's rare that I get to show off cool beers and these are all lagers and I thought they were all really right up your alley. They're definitely, uh, you know me, I love the good balanced lager. I do. I do That's the it. jam. Okay, wicked cool. So, uh, we're going to go out on this cool little <laughs> uh, 2012 Wolfman's. Uh <laughs> and there's a cool little uh, Christmas present in there for you guys. Um, so listen hard. Um, thank you, J3PO, for for. Your 12 jams of Fishmas. Uh, <laughs> I wish everybody happy holidays. Happy uh, holidays yeah, to all. I hope everyone has an awesome meal, grabs an awesome beer, wine, whatever, booze, whatever. Eat good, drink good, drink. be yeah, safe, exactly, listen exactly, to fish. Exactly. Cool. Um, so we will hopefully see you for another episode soon. I am Belissa. I'm J3PO. Cool. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>